0: What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former NBA swingman Michael Finley. And joining us in just a moment to discuss Finley's career and Hall of Fame candidacy is NBA podcaster Jackson Lloyd. But before we bring Jackson on, let's talk a little more about Michael Finley. So Michael Finley had a 15-year NBA career. He came in with the Suns in 1995 and played for the Suns for a few years, played, I would say, at his peak in Dallas for the Mavericks, uh, went to San Antonio where he won a championship in 2007, and then finished his career randomly in Boston in 2010 playing just 21 games. But again, when I think of Michael Finley, I'm thinking of Dallas, I'm thinking of the Spurs, and he was a two-time All-Star during his career. Uh, he averaged about 16 points per game for his career, four boards and three assists, shooting 44% from the field, 38% from three, and 81% from the free throw line. Now, Michael Finley was a pretty elite scorer. He had five seasons with over 20 points per game, which led to him having 17,306 career points, which is good for 30, uh, sorry, 93rd all-time. 33rd, wow, that'd be a different conversation. 93rd all-time in points with 17,306. He also had 4,804 rebounds, 3,245 assists, and finished his career with 1,454 three-pointers, which at the time was good for 15th in NBA history. Now, Michael Finley had a very long career. He had great longevity for the time. He played in 1,103 games, and he started his NBA career playing in every single game for the first six years. He didn't miss a game until his seventh season in the league. It was even playing 82 games in a season at the age of 33 and 34 in San Antonio. So this is a guy who was on the court almost every single game. And that stood out and it definitely stands out today. And Jackson and I are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his elite scoring, some of his better games with Dallas and the Spurs. As well, of course, his his Hall of Fame can't see. So we do have a great podcast for you today. Uh, so with the quick facts out of the way, let's bring on Jackson. All right. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, NBA podcaster, Jackson Lloyd. Jackson, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me on.
0: Of course. So today... We are talking about someone who, you know, I saw basically their whole career because they started the NBA right when I was starting to watch the NBA, and that is former NBA swingman Michael Finley, and Jackson and I are going to talk about, as we always do on this show, uh, Finley's career and his Hall of Fame candidacy, Uh, and Jackson, you know, to kick it off, I always start my guests off with an easy one here, you know, if you ever hear the name Michael Finley, which we might talk about, probably doesn't come up too much in conversation, but If you hear the name Michael Finley, you see a clip of it, you see a jersey, I don't know if that's out there, but if you see a Michael Finley jersey, I guess what's the first thing that's come to your mind?
1: Well, it's a funny story because when I got into basketball, it was the tail end of the 05-06 season, and by that point, Finley had shown noticeable signs of kind of slowing down a bit, still a productive player, still a good player, but as he got into the San Antonio years, he wasn't what he was in the early 2000s for the Mavericks. And what's funny is when I played the video game NBA live 2005, he was on the Mavericks and he was a monster to use very athletic. And that was kind of a fun Mavericks core that for a while was known for being uber talented. Then they didn't retain Nash and they could just never truly break through breakthrough, excuse me. Uh, so that was kind of my introduction to Michael Finley and Then as a young kid, seeing him in some of those TNT playoff games with the Spurs and just gradually over time, understanding that he still wasn't a star player, but he was a major contributor to some teams that made a deep playoff run, obviously a big what if series in 2007 against the Phoenix Suns. And yeah, over the years, I've definitely gained an appreciation just because of The sheer it's a kind of a dying breed in the NBA, a guy that plays every single game um, intense minutes. I have a note here that six times in his career, he played 82 games. A seventh time he played 83 games. And an eighth time he played just 81. And for good measure, in the lockout season, he played 50 of 50 games. So This is a guy who constantly played 36 to 41 minutes a game every single night. And while the peak, peak, peak of his career didn't intertwine with Dirk's ascension to when he became kind of a mid-post and do-it-all scoring threat in the mid-2000s, he was kind of a pivotal part of those Mavericks teams that right when they were emerging, he was one of the biggest focal points of them.
0: I'm really glad you brought up kind of his, not just longevity, but just daily coming. Like, I hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it like the lunch pail guy. He didn't miss a game till his seventh season, right? He doesn't miss a game till he's 28. You said that one year, that year he played 83 games, which again, was the Phoenix to Dallas trade where he got the extra game in there. He also led the league in minutes, played three different seasons, Um, you know, averaging Over 42 minutes per game, which you will not see again in in probably the history of the NBA, unless something drastically changes. Um, And even his rookie year when he came in for the Suns, you know, he was a, a late first round pick. He wasn't a lottery. He came out of Wisconsin. He had a really good career there. But his rookie season for Phoenix, he's playing 39 minutes a game, comes in third for rookie of the year, and already comes in averaging 15 points a game, five boards and four assists. And for the course of his career, not only was he always playing, even on those later, you know, Spurs teams, he was still maybe not starting all the time, but still logging, you know, close to 30 minutes a game as he got to his mid 30s. And again, mid 30s uh, in the 2000s is much different than I think the mid 30s in today's game, where players are going in hyperbaric chambers, they're taking care of their body, they're doing load management. At the age of 33 and 34, he was still playing 82 games in a season, then at age 35, playing 81 games and being a productive player for those Spurs team. As you said, Jackson, you hit it on the head. We're not probably going to see anything like that, kind of a dying breed, a guy that played both offense and defense, could shoot from outside, but also, like I think a baseball, like an innings-eater pitcher, which kind of don't exist anymore, he was like a He was a minutes on the court. He was never going to be like a detriment to your team. He was always going to play solid for you. And at his peak, he was one of the better scorers in the NBA. And I'm sure we're getting to that a little later today. But I want to move to our next segment here, Jackson. We call this That Memorable Moment. And I'm very liberal with this segment. It can be anything you want. It can be a certain play you remember, uh, a game, a playoff series, a stretch of a season. It could be an entire season if you really wanted to. For Michael Finley, if I made you, what would you say his most memorable moment was?
1: So as I mentioned, I got into the NBA in the 2006 playoffs. So I wasn't viewing Michael Finley kind of in 98, 99, 2000, 2001, where he was he wasn't Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, but he was kind of the next peg down of swingmen in the NBA. And uh, for better or worse, that's probably why I don't think he'll get his due. I was trying to think of a modern comp for him, kind of a triple threat score who took a ton of pull-up shots, incredible hanging layups. And it's not a perfect comp because I think Finley has a better handle, but I kind of came across Jalen Brown, just kind of a, mm. a guy who had that, Quick twitch, athleticism, but was very strong finishing at the rim. Probably not a guy you wanted to be like a a true number one of your offense, but someone that could give you 20, 22 points a night. And for Michael Finley, um, there were some pretty pivotal series, uh, not to overuse that phrase, but a lot of those duels the Mavericks were in, whether it be with the Spurs, Kings, Houston Rockets, a lot of those games are – On YouTube. A lot of them are hardwood classics. You can watch them now. And for me, there's two kind of moments that stand out for different reasons. Uh, In the 2003 series against the Kings, I just wanted to mention uh, the minutes that he played in the Mavericks four wins. Their first win, he played 40 minutes. Their second win, he played 56 minutes. And to add on top of that, uh, Nick Van Exel played 48 and Dirk Nowinski played 58 insane game uh, in their third win. He played 44 minutes and in their game seven, win, he played almost 47 minutes, uh, a true iron man, but to me kind of a, not a calling card of his career, but something that gets so under discussed with some of these late 2000 or excuse me, late nineties, early two thousands players is, you kind of mentioned it. They didn't have the same kind of medical structure, scheduling, etc. cetera. So some players would just fall off a cliff when they aged. And he entered the NBA, I think it was his age 22 season, and he had a tremendously long career. And he, when he was not, no longer an all-star caliber player, he transitioned seamlessly to being a great role player with the San Antonio Spurs. And as I mentioned before, that 2007 series against the Suns, Yes, he was not one of the three or four best players on the team. But not only did he have a big game five against the Denver Nuggets where he had 27 points, he was hitting sidestep threes against closeouts. That's also on YouTube. A really fun watch, especially if you're my age, uh, mid-20s, where you see guys like Carmelo Anthony, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, kind of the stars of of our early days of being NBA fans if you're my age. Um, but the Sun series, one of the more... Not watershed moments of the recent NBA, but a pretty pivotal what if series um, with a guy like Steve Nash, especially Michael Finley averaged 13 and three. He made 15 threes. Now, you might think 15 threes. That's like two a game, two or two and a half a game or so. But back then in 2007, that is that's like I don't even that would be the equivalent of probably a guy making four threes a game in today's nba yeah
0: definitely i think that's so, i think that's race. that's got to be the uh, the formula right i think that's fair so yeah so he was a
1: guy who early 2000s all-star caliber player could never break through then he gets rerouted to san antonio tim duncan tony parker manu ginobili multiple hall of fame players a lot of guys they would be egotistical or they'd be very limited athletically and wouldn't adjust well He was not only a role player that contributed, he was someone who was a contributing starter for a lot of those teams and played pretty pretty heavy minutes, you know, 28 to 30 a game sometimes. And, yeah, I just – I think that we've seen with Iguodala, even Al Horford to a certain extent, kind of the former all-star player who can make that transition to a super, super elite role player. I think that that's kind of become something that – Every team needs to be cliche.
0: No, you brought up two different playoff kind of runs Finley had uh, Jackson, which I have down, but I have different rounds of that year down. So you were hitting on it. So I want to start first when you talk about 2007, that Phoenix series where, again, Finley's already 33 at this point, as you said, he's kind of transitioned to a different role but he's still playing 33 minutes a game. And you said he made 15 threes in that series over in six games. The, the, the um <clears throat> round before that, the first round of that series in 2007, again, age 33, Finley, they beat Denver in five games. Finley has 19 three pointers in, in that five game series, averages 16 points a game and he shoots 53% from three And he, in one of those games, um, in, in, I guess, the fifth and final game of that series, he makes eight three-pointers. He goes eight from nine from downtown, setting the Spurs record at the time. I don't know if that's still the record, but he set the record at that time um, at the age of 33 uh, while he's in this new role. So he still kind of had it. By the time that was the year the Spurs won the championship, so Finley did win a ring. By the time they get to the finals, his men started to get cut down um, I think Ginobili, that's when he really started to find a bigger role on that team throughout that playoff series. It's where Ginobili really made his bones. But Finley still was a major contributor for that team to get there. Um, definitely, you know, in that Sun series you mentioned, in that Denver series, and even in the Utah series in the Western Conference Finals that year, he still, you know, put up 10 points per game in 24 minutes. But what I really want to talk about is a series I remember watching um, as was a, a teenager at this point. And it really, I was like, man, Finley is is much better than I realized. And it was that 2003 year, it was the series after um, they, they beat Sacramento. Um, it was the Western Conference Finals. Now, they lose the Spurs in six games. But what people forget is Dirk got hurt in game three. And they had to play the rest of the series without Dirk. And, Dirk, and Finley comes in without Dirk, drops 25 in game four. They lose. But then in game five, with the season on the break, Finley drops 31 points, has five steals, eight boards, goes 12 to him from the line, and they win. Now, they lose game six. The Spurs go and win that championship as well. But in that series, this is what stands out to me the most. He averaged 23 points a game, six boards, and three assists for the series. But he shot 50% from the field, 42% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. He won 32 from 32 from the line. So Jackson, you know, you talked about Finley was probably never going to be the number one guy in on a team. And I, I agree with you. I think he, though, was a good enough player, especially in his air, to be a number two on a championship team. And if Dirk doesn't get hurt, I don't know exactly what happens there. Maybe they beat the Spurs. And if they would have got to the finals that year, there was a New Jersey Nets team that really, <laughs> that was one the East, like, wasn't very good whatsoever. It was like kid. It was like Richard Jefferson and Kenyon Martin. If Dirk's healthy and they get to that finals, I'm going to put my money on the Mavs win that championship. Now Finley wins the championship as a number two guy. I think the way we think about Finley and even his career after that might be a little different if that all happens. And again, it's a bunch of what ifs. But Finley was good enough to be a fide number two guy, just maybe maybe a smidge not a good enough to be a number one guy, especially back then when big men still ran the NBA um quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And to kind of compare it to a recent champion, the Golden State Warriors, I remember how Andrew Wiggins was viewed prior to yep. joining the Warriors. And he had an incredible playoff run and incredible finals. He was probably one of their three best players throughout the playoff run. And, Uh, Michael Finley, he's kind of one. He's one of those forgotten players from that era where they were an all-star, probably a half dozen consecutive years of all-star caliber play, and yet history has forgotten them. And I bring up you know series like the Phoenix series or the Sacramento Kings series because those were moments where you can kind of see a player. Not, I don't want to sound cliche again, but that's where the story of their career is written, for lack of a better term. And a lot of those Mavericks teams with Steve Nash and Van Exel think they also had a young Raja Bell, too. Um, they were so close to breaking through. And the, re- and the West was brutal back then. I mean, I'm a Timberwolves fan. I've watched my fair share of those playoff um, series where they oh, lost over and over and over again in the first round. Um, again, a lot of these games are on YouTube. But the West is not like... It they, there's probably two to four teams any given season who could credibly say, not only are they a conference finalist contender, but they're a contender to make and potentially win the NBA finals. And Michael Finley, really, really good prime. Yeah. If he could have intersected and kind of threaded that needle with Dirk Nowinski, retain Steve Nash and kind of run it back, Who's to say what happens?
0: There's a very different alternate timeline where there's a very different Mavs team in the mid 2000s. And yes, as you're saying, Jackson, I agree with you. It could be a whole different story. And I'm sure, I'm sure Dallas Maverick fans have had this conversation in a bar many times. So I don't think we're probably breaking <laughs> any new territory here, but um, you talked about the Andrew Wiggins comp. I love that. Let's go to our next segment. Cause we're going to do another kind of comp there. So our next segment is called Ant and Twins. And during and twins, sometimes this is very difficult, sometimes kind of easy. But I ask you to look at the basketball hall of fame today, look at the players already in, and whether it be kind of their statistics are similar, their style of play was similar, maybe it's a mix of both. I ask you, you know, who is the closest to being Michael Finley's twin? And there's never, you know, there's never an identical twin. Sometimes it's better than others, but. Curious who you came up with, Jackson. I have a couple names here, but curious who you came up with.
1: So I found it difficult to find a one-to-one comp with Finlay because his career accolades are not in line with a lot of Hall of Famers. But just looking at some of the teams historically, where it would be Premier Big Man is the team's best player, and then they have either a swingman or a guard that starred in their role as a key contributor. Um Bob Dandrich and Maurice uh, Cheeks were two players that came to mind. Mm. Um, I think the thing with Finley, and I think we'll see this with players like Andre Iguodala, maybe Al Horford and others, is that players of that elk are ushering in an era of guys who are on consistent winning teams playing a big role. If they don't get the love in end of year voting um Stuff like that I think that we'll see a transition to those players being remembered more more for historical purposes for lack of a better term
0: yeah and you brought up why this is tough Jackson and and we'll get to this in court a little more but you know Michael Finley some of his years again and I'll talk about this in a bit he he got all NBA votes seven consecutive years but never made an all NBA team and he only made two All Star appearances. And when we're looking at some, when we're looking at some of these, you know, when we look at some of these Hall of Fame comps, that's where you get stuck because the people I came up with, um, you know, the the main one I was looking at and circling was kind of Mitch Richmond. And Mitch Richmond was someone that played in you know similar time period, came a little before Finley, but played through the '90s into the early 2000s. Uh, he was on a lot of you know he was on the Warriors for a bit. They weren't going very far uh they he was on sacramento as the guy but could never get out of the first round really with them and then he went to the lakers at the very tail end of his career and, and did win a championship but not a big role at all finley's role oh, on the a good spurs phil, phil you know finley's role in the spurs much better so this is kind of how i look at it you know when you look at the rebounds and assists, all these kind of shooting guard small forward swingman guys from the 90s they're all averaging like four boards and three assists. It was pretty standard. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, you, like, and three, basically. like Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, all these guys. It's like four boards, three assists, four boards, three assists. Like that's So when you look at the points, that's that's where it's a little different here. Mitch was the guy on a lot of Sacramento teams, so he got more shots up. He averaged 21 points a game for his career. Finley's about 16 points a game, so he's about five points off. But then you look at like field goal percentage, they're almost identical. Three-point percentage. Almost identical. Free throw percentage, Richmond's about 4% higher. And if you look at advanced metrics, because I know some of my listeners are very into that, like VORP, value over replacement player, they're within 0.5 of each other when it comes to VORP. So essentially, that's the same two. They both won a championship. Finley played a bigger role. And Finley was definitely in the playoffs way more than Richmond. And again, Finley played with players like Dirk and Tim Duncan. So that makes sense. But what separates Richmond, who I think a lot of people think is a borderline kind of Hall of Fame guy anyway, but he's in, so we're not going to argue that. But Mitchman and Finley, the numbers are not that crazy off, but the accolades are. Uh, Mitch Richmond was a five-time All-NBA, and he was a six-time All-Star. Finley, again, he got votes, and I want to talk about it in court, but never made an All-NBA team, and he only made two All-Star appearances. That's it. He averaged over 20 points per game, five different seasons, but he only made two all-star appearances. And I really think Jackson, and this we'll talk about in court a little more. I think the lack of accolades, and this is glaring here, it really stands out. Cause when I look at you know, a Richmond, he had five all MBAs. Someone like Chris Moon, four all MBAs. Th- those those stand out. And when you have zero and only two all-star appearances, and these guys have more all NBA teams. You know, it's it's hard to justify. Obviously, the voters at the time thought Richmond was much better than Finley, or so and so was much better than Finley. And, or unfair or not, that's that's how history is written. That's how the voters were voting. And it's definitely a glaring kind of thing on Finley's resume because I think his numbers, his actually statistical numbers, are not that far off from several Hall of Famers.
1: You know, that's actually I like the argument you made. I looked at Mitch Richmond, and I decided against it because I think he made three second team all NBA if I remember correctly so I was like while they're similar caliber players I know that people always use a backhand compliment of like oh Mitch Richmond's in the Hall of Fame so so and so should be in the Hall of Fame I've seen that argument for players like Joe Johnson and LaMarcus Aldridge you know kind of the guys who are or were perennial all-stars, you know, five, six, seven-time all-stars, but never regarded as a top player on a title team or whatever. But So I decided against it for that reason. But that is an interesting point, how Finley was always on winning teams. So he was never the guy averaging 25, 26, 27 points a game. But perennially, he was one of the premier scorers on his team. Obviously, he's not Bryant, McGrady, Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, etc. But right below that, that was him. And like I've mentioned, there's no one to one comp for him necessarily in the Hall of Fame. But I do think these players who age so gracefully, that's something that I've grown to appreciate over the years, actually. And, um, you know, watching a guy like Blake Griffin, who was a star with the Clippers and then had a really, really good season with Detroit where he made the All-NBA team. And then he had a brief cameo with the Brooklyn Nets where he was pretty solid for that playoff run. And I remember just watching that playoff run from Blake Griffin. And I was so impressed because you know it's got to be hard for a star player to defer to players they used to view as their peers or if their body's failing them to kind of take a back seat and accept their current reality. And I think that that those players that make the transition to prolong their career, because not only is it a, a choice thing, it's an ego thing, it's a pride thing, but it does so much for your team. And a lot of players will be remembered more fondly than Finley, whether that be because they had higher career scoring totals or they made more all-star appearances, you know, an interesting kind of analog to Michael Finley. You look at someone like DeMar DeRozan, who's incredibly accomplished in the NBA. I think he's a six or seven time all-star at this point. And he'll be an interesting hall of fame discussion someday. I'm sure you'll probably do a podcast on. I d- I'm, w- I'm, w-
0: I'm waiting for him when he retires, but he might play another three or four years at this. And rate. That, that'll be interesting because he's a guy who
1: has had some playoff warts in his career. But his scoring totals are going to be, I Mm -hmm. think he's going to be top 20 or 25 all time in scoring. He's made a half dozen all-star teams. But are him and Michael Finley, not comparing them necessarily as player archetypes, but they are very similar caliber of players where key contributors on perennial playoff teams, cameos as a team's quote-unquote star player with mixed results. And it'll just be interesting to kind of see how voters view Finley, how voters view DeMar DeMar DeRozan, how voters view uh, Joe Johnson. Those are kind of three three swingmen, three, you know, wing types from this era extended of basketball that will be really interesting to monitor.
0: The Joe Johnson, Michael Finley comp is the one I'm in, in like my closest. Like if Joe Johnson, he made seven all-star teams, one all-NBA team, but he got to 20,000 points he's he's the most interesting i'm super curious to see what they end up doing with him I, I i have done a pot on him i do not think he should be in the hall of fame but finley and and joe johnson like the way they played their numbers like i honestly think finley was a better actual player than joe johnson but joe johnson was in the east all those years making all those r star teams when there wasn't much competition so that's where the all-star thing can get inflated and the two points i want to make jackson before and move on one, you brought up a bit ago, the playoff things with Richmond. Just for everyone listening, Richmond played in 23 playoff games in his career. Michael Finley played in 129. So I wanted to do that difference over a hundred more playoff games for Finley. So that's something to kind of chew on. And then just for everyone, you know, I talked about all NBA and anyone that listens to my pod knows I really care about that. It matters a lot, but To defend Finley or just to make everyone not pump the brakes anytime someone doesn't make a bunch of All-NBA teams, I told you Mitch Richmond made five and and Jackson, you're right. He made three All-NBA second teams. Reggie Miller only made three All-NBA teams and Ray Allen only made two. So you can't say, well, he made this. So he's better because I promise you Ray Allen and Reggie Miller are better than Mitch Richmond. So Again, you got to take it for, you got to look at the context of what was going on, who was playing, all that stuff. Because the fact that Reggie Miller and Ray Allen combined have as many all NBA appearances as Mitch Richmond, is silly, Jackson, right? It's silly. So not to to defend Finley for not making it, but got to put that in context sometimes for everyone listening because it does mean something, but I promise it doesn't mean everything. Jackson, I want to move to our final segment here. We call this court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And we've been doing this a lot throughout the podcast, but it's just hitting on some of the finer points of, you know, the case for and the case against Michael Finley. And the place I want to start before I kind of give you a a, a quiz of sorts is we're talking about all-NBA and all-star teams. So I just want to hit that real quick here before I go to kind of a quiz for you so I said earlier you know Michael Finley made all NBA he got all NBA votes seven different seasons from 1998 to 2004 he got all NBA votes every season Uh, and during that span of time he had the 12th most points in the NBA during that time so again he was legit one of the top 12 15 scores in the league um, from that stretch And I was looking at the people getting on the all NBA team, as well as, you know, who also was getting votes. And you can kind of tell at least by the voters where he ranked in the NBA at his position. And again, this is where it gets tricky with Finley. You know, I, I think of him as a shooting guard through and through. If you look at the all-star games, he was playing as a guard. If you look at the all NBA teams, he's voted in as a guard but if you look at his NBA reference and you see how the breakdown works, they have him at small forward 60% of the time. I don't understand it. I remember him as a guard in my brain. I'm going off eye test. I'm going off how the voters were voting. They were voting him as a shooting guard all this time later in his career on the Spurs small forward. So anyway, I was looking at shooting guards. In 98, he was considered the fifth best shooting guard based on all NBA voting. 1999, the sixth best shooting guard in the NBA. 2000, the fourth best. 2001, two, three, and four—always the sixth best shooting guard, best based on all NBA votes. And if you look at the names ahead of him, most of these years, I mean, it's a lot of the years it's Kobe and it's Allen Iverson. MJ sneaks in there for a couple of Wizards years, as well as when he was on the Bulls. Um, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen are in here. The only names, because again, Jackson, you talked about the tiers earlier. All those guys are a tier above, but in the tier with him. Along the way, I have players like Steve Smith, Eddie Jones, Jerry Stockhouse, Michael Red, Alan Houston. So even the tier below, he's fighting with a lot of these guys. And he is considered you know, one of the four to six best shooting guards for a seven-year stretch, which I have a methodology on this show. If you're a top five player at your position for a good amount of time, you have a really good case for the Hall of Fame. Doesn't mean you can't get in if you're not top five, because there's like the centers of the 90s. There's like eight of them. But top four to six shooting guard during this time when those guys are all playing, I don't think that's that bad to be recognized among those guys. I mean, what's your take? Like, do you feel like in the in that next tier, I'm I'm talking about like the Stackhouses, the Allen Houstons, the Michael Reds, Steve Smith's? Do you think Finley is near the top of those guys? Or do you think he's a little lower when I'm talking about kind of that tier two in in the shooting guards there?
1: Well, you made an interesting point about how all NBA voting is basically a product of the peers at your position. I know that a lot of the centers in the 60s and 70s, it was a dogfight to be an all NBA player when there was Jabbar and Moses Malone and whatnot. Uh, Tough times if you're the third, fourth, or fifth best player at your position. But in regards to Michael Finley, I think that what separates him from kind of those Allen Houston, Michael Red type players is, um, at least with Michael Red, I recall him kind of having a three- to five-year peak as one of the premier players. Something that I really think uh, is a feather in Michael Finley's cap is that he legitimately had a six- to eight-year stretch as – just being a top 25, 30 player. And I know people like to say that it's all all about your peak. Do you have a top 10 or 15 peak? But in terms of value added to your team over the course of your career, nobody's going to complain if you're a top 30 player for nearly a decade. And that's an interesting discussion. And I like that you bring up the All-NBA voting point because I didn't know that he was – the Michael Jordan on the Wizards was voted ahead of him because I know that he got hurt one of those years for like thirty games or so, and I would say that even without the injury, Finley's probably the better player. Um, I think the first Wizards season, if I recall—not recall, but just from watching games on YouTube and then reading stuff online—the Wizards started off really well, but attrition started to set in with Jordan's knees, and uh, he could never quite recapture form. That's interesting. Yeah. That kind of era of shooting guard. Fun times.
0: Yeah, no, it was a good era. And and that's the problem here. Cause I, and then I looked at like some of the all-star game, like during that time, right. He's making all NBA. He's almost making all NBA. I'm sorry. He's obviously one of the better guards in the league, but again, during that seven year stretch where he's getting all these all NBA votes, at least, you know, he only makes two all-star games. So I was looking at the year's, when he didn't make the all-star game during those that kind of run. And I was like, well, who the hell was a guard on those teams? And it's interesting. Uh, you're going to like some of these names, Jackson. So he, he made the all-star team in only in 2000 and 2001. Okay. Only two times in 1998. He didn't make it. The The guards on the team were Kobe, Gary Payne, Jason. This is the Western conference. Everyone uh, Kobe, Bryant, Gary Payne, Jason Kidd, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel and Mitch Richmond. That was Nick Van Exel's only All Star appearance, but he made over was Finley. That this, was
1: that one of the Shaq seasons? Nick yeah, Van Yeah, I,
0: I was. I was looking at Van Exel's numbers. It's he, he had a very nice year, but Finley definitely had a better year. Um, then two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. It gets very weird. So in two thousand two, there's only four guards selected. It's Kobe, Steve Nash, Gary Payne, and Steve Francis. 2003, we got five guards. It's Kobe, Nash, Gary Payne, and then Stefan Marbury, and again, Steve Francis. And then in 2004, shout out to your Minnesota Timberwolves. Sam Cassell makes it, Ray Allen makes it, Kobe Bryant, and Steve Francis. Steve Francis gets in here for three All Star appearances. And I, you know, Kobe obviously should be on all of these, no doubt. Steve Nash, of course, Gary Payne. We're talking about all-time greats, Ray Allen. I'm very interested. Nick Van Exel gets the call that one year. And Steve Francis, like, he was really exciting, really exciting on, on those Houston Rockets teams. But if I'm looking at the years and just comparing him and Finley, Finley's having a better year every year there. I think Francis was just, I don't want to call Finley a boring player, but Finley kind of got the job done where Francis was, you know, a six-three point guard dunking on everyone. I, I think that goes into all-star voting a little time. Who do the who who do people want to see? They want to see Steve Francis, so that could hurt Finley a little bit there too.
1: Definitely, yeah, that's a great point because, from my understanding, and obviously Steve Francis was a very exciting player, but uh, those young Rockets team, Yao Ming was certainly their best player. But I I bet if you I mean not internationally of course but in the states stateside I would assume that uh, Steve Francis was kind of the the big cheese of that team. He um, he was we loved him funny. as kids
0: we loved Steve Francis. I know he might have been that might have been a little you might have been a little too young for that Jackson but as a kid in the early 2000s we all loved Steve Francis. So I totally <laughs> get it. I totally get it. Just now as I look back I'm like man he had us. Like that was the guy for a bit.
1: Yeah, no, it's funny because a lot of the names you mentioned, it just brings back um, me reading about trades. And I feel like all of these guards like Sam Cassell, Terrell Brandon, Stephon Marbury, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, I feel like they were all involved for trades with each they other. With like it's great. It's a, that was a weird time in the NBA from my they, understanding. They,
0: yeah. There was a, there was a Cassell Marbury, um, Terrell Brandon, I believe three-way trade. And I think it blew my mind. Over I was eating like Eggo waffles, and they announced it on like I used to watch. <laughs> I used to watch NBA tonight in the morning before I went to school. So the previous days, and for some reason, that three-way trade with three point guards I really liked, and seeing them all go to different teams, it was like the coolest morning I had that year. It was just it was awesome. So you are dead on. Back then, all those guards, they they were all over the place. Um, they were popping up everywhere, and they all had very short peaks. Like, Marbury had a great peak, but it was short. Francis had a really short peak. um, But they were really fun for those few years where it lasted. Uh, So so one kind of quiz thing I want to do here, Jackson, before we get to final verdict. We've talked right now about a lot of all-NBA players, like a lot of all-NBA teams who made it over Finley. We talked about all-star appearances. So I just want to quickly go through a, a list of names here that played during Finley's time period. Um, it kind of overlaps. Some of these are 90s, some of these are 2000s, but there are a bunch of names. Some of them are Hall of Famers. Some of them are, are are not. They're on the outside looking in. I've done episodes of some of these guys. And when I name the player, all I want you to do is if you think that the player I'm naming is better than Michael Finley, just repeat the player's name. If you think Michael Finley's better, say Michael Finley. And I want to run through these players and I want to see kind of just where, and don't take a lot of time. I just want your gut instinct. Just rapid fire. Rapid fire, because I want to see where Finley ends up on like a long list of, they're they're all shooting guards slash played a little small forward again. It's a little blurred line. So anyone listening like, hey, he played like, relax. Okay. I tried my best. I have them all similar. Finley was a six foot seven guy. He he was a swing man. So just live, live with what I'm about to go through. So Jackson, for example, the first several here, they're easy. Like I name Allen Iverson. You would say Allen Iverson, uh, unless you think Finley is better than Allen Iverson, which would blow my mind. But um, <laughs> Iverson. So I'm okay. So uh, Kobe Bryant. Kobe. Ray Allen. Ray Allen. T-Mac. T-Mac. Vince
1: Carter. Vince Carter. Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller,
0: Manu Ginobili, Manu, D Wade, Wade, okay, so we're already eight in, okay, now we get some interesting names, so that those were the gimmies, now we get interesting, Allen Houston, Finley, Jerry Stackhouse, Finley, Rip Hamilton, Rip, Eddie Jones, Michael Finley, Latrell Sprewell.
1: Ooh, Michael Finley.
0: Steve Francis. Finley. Michael Red. Finley. And then Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Maybe I'm biased. Okay. So, So, with those rankings, he's 11th, which honestly... Out of all those names, because the first eight are all in the Hall of Fame or just they're going to be in the Hall of Fame, Rip and Joe are on the outside looking in and then Finley's behind them. So he's again in in a grouping as as he should be. Because again, the one thing he fails behind most of those guys I named is All-Star and All-NBA appearances. But again, for a stretch, he was one of the better guards in the league. I mean, the guy scored over 17,000 career points, 7,306. That's top 100 all time. NBA has been around for a while. You don't just fall into that. And he was a, you know, the number two guy in a team that was pretty close to the finals. And he won a finals with the Spurs as a contributor. There's no shame in all of that. Him being 11th out of all those names, I think some people might have him a little farther down that list. I don't know if anyone would have him farther up. I have him in that kind of range too, but... I think that's good company to keep. And I don't know if Michael Finley would be that mad being lumped in with a Rip Hamilton and Joe Johnson Um, because those were very, very good players. They're getting serious hall consideration today. But Jackson, I do want to get to final verdict here. Um, What we're going to do here is I'm going to ask you uh, two questions and then I'm going to answer the two questions after you. Uh, My first question for you is, you know, do you think, do you believe Michael Finley should be in the hall of fame? And then my second question is, Do you think Michael Finley will ever get into the Hall of Fame?
1: Unfortunately, I don't think Michael Finley is a Hall of Famer, and I don't think he'll even get serious consideration. Uh, Something you put me on in this podcast when we were going through the All-NBA years is I thought to myself, Rip Hamilton is screwed too. That's just something that crossed my mind. It'll be really interesting, but I love Finley. I think it'll be really awesome to see how the next era of all-star caliber players who have arguable arguable cases kind of find themselves in the hall of fame standing but yeah i don't think finley gets in
0: first of all before i answer your rip hamilton comment could not like rip hamilton only made three all-star teams never made an all-nba team scored less career points than michael finley he does have, you know, he played a major role on that 2004 championship team and made it back to the finals in 2005, but he didn't win finals MVP. That was Chauncey. And if you go to his all-NBA voting, he only was all-NBA. He got all-NBA votes five different years. So honestly, gosh, I need to do a head-to-head comparison of Finley and Hamilton soon because this is a lot closer than I thought, but I'm not going to do a Hamilton thing here. Uh, also i know i have a lot of pistons fans that listen to this so please relax i i I need to look into a little more but love you brought that up jackson i got i haven't done a rip hamilton so i gotta do that but um my final verdict do i think finley should be in the hall of fame i i I do not um do i think he'll ever get in i I don't um again this is a player who had a very good nba career i mean seventeen thousand three hundred six points that's 93rd all time um when he retired he was one of the we didn't talk about this really but he was a pioneer for three point shooting. When he retired, he had the 15 most three-pointers in NBA history made, 1454. And then he had some playoff series where he was a like you were watching the playoffs, like think of if you're listening today, you watched the playoffs last year, you see someone like a Jamal Murray going off for 24 points in a, like per game or or someone like that um that's what Finley was doing. Like like Finley was one of the guys we talked about in the 2003 Western Conference final. He was averaging 23 points per game. In the playoffs in 2002, he was averaging 24 a game for the playoffs. Like, This was one of the better scores in the NBA. He just, whether it's you know bad luck, he came in in an era where there's a lot of great players at his position. He wasn't flashy enough. He never got over the hump because those Dallas teams never worked. His situation was never, ever there, and he does not have the accolades of a Hall of Famer. So again, not only do I never think he'll get in, I don't, or I don't believe he should get in. I also don't think he'll ever get voted in a very, very solid career, a career we should remember more. And from everything, I've heard a very good guy and also shout out, you know, he's from Chicago. He went to uh, uh, Provezo East High School where he won a state championship. Um, A very great, like one of the best 100 high school players in Illinois history. Uh, just not a basketball Hall of Famer. But nevertheless, you know, Jackson, I'm glad we gave him the time today because I'm hoping some of my listeners go back and check out Michael Finley because this guy was an elite score for a number of years. He did. Again, we talk. I talk about him being boring. Jackson, he was in back to back slam dunk competitions early in his career, 96, 97. So When you were talking about DeMar DeRozan earlier, that clicked for me because DeMar, when he came in the league, he was this dunk, this athletic dunker out of USC. And I was like, wow, this guy's a freak athlete. Too bad he can't shoot. And then he developed one of the best mid-range games we've seen in recent years. Finley came in as a high flyer and then instantly had a shot as well. Just someone that's going to be overlooked in NBA history, but someone that should be remembered. So Jackson, I appreciate you coming on today so we could talk about him a little bit.
1: Thank you, Jim. That was so much fun. You just reignited kind of memories from my childhood and helped put some things in perspective, too. Like, I didn't even realize that Finley ranked so highly at the time of his retirement and threes made. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, I know. More more than Mitch Richmond, which, trust me, Jackson, when I was a kid, in my brain – Mitch Richmond was jacking up like 10 threes a game. Uh, <laughs> not Nothing close to that. But again, different NBA. I think Michael, we didn't really talk about Zeejieks, but I think Michael Finley would excel. Excel in today's NBA game. He's 6'7". He could play good defense. He can shoot from outside. He can get to the foul line. He was shooting fairly good percentages from the field back then. And you know his, his three-point attempts would be in the five six seven range. So his points per game would probably be a point or two higher in today's game but again you can't change what area you played in he was a great player in the late 90s and 2000s and again hopefully you know if you're listening today and you didn't know much about michael finley i mean jackson i i think you work for youtube at this point the number of times you reference go check out youtube but i'm serious go check out youtube go check out michael finley um a great nba player jackson thanks again for coming on uh, good luck with the upcoming NBA season and hopefully we can talk to you sometime soon.
1: I'd love to. Thank you.
0: All right. I want to thank Jackson again for coming on the podcast. Talk about Michael Finley. That was a lot of fun. Um, that is all we have for you today. So you don't already, please subscribe to our podcasts. Um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Pod of Fame. You've done all that. You've done your homework. We will talk to you next Monday. Have a great week.